Ladies and gentlemen, the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass is in effect. I'm Steve Kim, joined by Mario Dano Lopez. You know why? Because it's Hawaii. 5-0. Oh, my God. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mario. Thank Milestone. you, my man. Like You're a little one. early, a little early, but it's all right. It oh. crept up. We're going to get into it later uh, about hitting that fifth level. A uh, quick shout out to uh, Smoking Tim Frazier and our guy, Tino. Tino. On the edits. All right. The bout sheet for today's show. Viva Canelo. <laughs> then we have an announcement. Fury Usyk. Ask Mario and final flurries. But before we get into it, just want to let you know this podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino. Located in Gardena, California, just 20 minutes away from downtown L.A., check out the latest promo, So Fine Sundays, where they're giving away tons of cash, beat the stadium traffic, and play your favorite games at Hustler Casino. <laughs> For more info, go to HustlerCasino.com. Also, shout out to our guy right here in Hollywood, Oscar Lopez from Scout Micro L.A. They offer a unique and innovative hair loss solution for men. And they also specialize in scalp micropigmentation, which is basically hair restoration service that replicates the exact shape and size of the hair follicle by tattooing tiny particles of pigment into the scalp. And it gives the illusion of hair. It keeps it nice and thick, tight looking. And you can see results as little as one treatment. They create and restore hairlines, give the uh, appearance of uh, denser hair. They can scar, uh, conceal from hair translation, perhaps. They can also camouflage burdens or what have you. Uh, they use the highest quality of tools. They do a good job. So listen, if you're losing it, going bald, looking for a new look, hit up our homies over at Scout Micro LA. They got a lot of happy customers. Mention this ad for a free console. If you're getting thin, it'll help fill you in. Mm. Now let's get started. Round one this past Saturday night from the T-Mobile Arena on Showtime pay-per-view. And still, the super middleweight champion of the world, Saul Canelo Alvarez, with a clear-cut 12-round decision over Jermel Charlo. Your scores, 118-109 twice, 119-108. Now, Mario, you were there on the scene. I watched it on TV at Coach JB's house. Fights look different. From where you were sitting, from your vantage point, did Jermel Charlo ever try to win this fight? So I was fortunate enough to be uh, ringside, and the event itself had a lot of buzz um, in the building. Uh, the mariachis were outside. The music was playing. It was packed. People Orale. were there relatively early. I was looking forward to what I thought would be at least a competitive fight. And the buildup to it with Charlo talking about, I'm a lion. I'm a lion. I'm a walk lying. in that ring. I'm a lion. Well, he was lying, all right. Lying, yeah. Cause he was he was like golden retriever up in there, not a lion. Yo, at first I'm like, okay, he might just be getting the jitters out, measuring distance, um, probably wants to pace himself for later. And then all of a sudden I'm like, he's not fighting back. At all. At all. Ever. And Canelo <laughs> usually will prod and he systematically starts breaking you down. Um, and I don't know if you could tell this on TV, but I think it was the second round for sure. The fourth that happened again, when Canelo fainted, he did a, a double jab and came over with a hard right hook to the body. And these punches, you can hear Kim in the theater. They were thudding. And I saw Charlo's face go woo. Mm. And his eyes kind of got a little big. And then he just started backpedaling the whole time. And he never, I think, took a step forward after that. Even the punches he did throw, they were kind of keep me off you yep. punches, and they had no authority, whereas every punch Canelo threw had bad intentions on him. They were mean. I thought he was loading up a little bit too much. Like I thought he was getting him out of there. I would like to see him um, cut off the ring a little bit more and put a couple more combinations 
uh, together. But it's, again, hard when you got a guy doing the Indy 500 in reverse. And he just did not engage. It was a glorified sparring session. And considering the buildup, I, again, I thought we were going to actually see a fight. What broke out was that. I don't even know how to describe it. it was, like I said, it was, it was, I, he must have had tougher sparring in the gym. And I don't blame Canelo in the sense that you have, it takes two to tango, as they say, and you have to be willing to engage. But at some point, Charlo, and maybe it was in that second round that I said, and then fourth round, he caught him with the same shot and it hurt him. I believe he dropped him in the seventh. And at that point, yeah. I said, okay. The pressure mentally and physically is going to get to him. And I think we both predicted he would stop him around 9 or 10. Yeah. Well, that never came. And I was left there sort of like, well, I was disappointed just because I wanted to see more of a fight. But man, I think Charlo really took a hit to his brand. Because once you're in there, brother, you got to let them hands go. And at some point, you have to try to win this fight. He was in there. It looked like he was just trying to survive a la Rocky one, go the distance. And at no point did he make a real effort to want to inflict any sort of damage and win this fight. And for that, it was really a a disappointing performance from his end. For Jermel Charlo, the victories was when he put his John Hancock on that contract Mm. for millions of dollars. That was his victory. And look, it's easy for us to say because we're outside the ring, we're not fighters. But when you have his colleagues that have done this for a living who have been punched in the face, like Terrence Crawford, Polly Malinaji, I spoke to Tim Bradley, who are highly critical of that effort. Look, this is what you do for a profession. Right. And I believe on a stage like that, with that much money on the line, you have an obligation to at least put your best foot forward. And he never did. And that's the shame of the whole thing. I was shocked. By the performance, because he immediately slipped into survival mode, I think, from the second round on. And I'm at a loss for words at how <laughs> Mario, how bad that performance was. I really was. Only because, Kim, we're talking about a guy who was undisputed at 154, a guy who's got heavy hands, a young fighter who's athletic. It's not like he can't crack himself, okay? And when you with this weight gain, I'm sure he was feeling even extra strong. At some point, you got to bite down on that mouthpiece and let those hands go. Now, mind you, easier said than done, but this is a guy who has some accolades to him. We're not talking a chump right here. I want to get to Canelo um, in a second. Well, actually, I'll, I'll just get to him right now. When I saw him at the um, after party, I got to hang with him a little bit. He's very gracious to all his uh, his family and his friends are right there. My guy has really developed into 168. Even when I was there, Kim, and I got to see him right there. When he took that robe off, I go, whoa, that's the best I've ever seen him look physically. He's filled out at 68. His back is huge. And he's just thick this way in his lats. Uh, Wait a minute. Someone said size isn't just height. Oh, that was me. Exactly. Uh So, look, he's built like a wrestler more than a boxer. To tell you the truth, kind of like Tyson. Thick neck, thick legs, and his back. He's into that 168. And you can see the size difference. from. He looked much thinner, Charlo did. And and Canelo looks much a much more put together and he looks strong in that weight class. He's, I don't think he's ever going down. He's, he, and I actually asked him and he said he's very comfortable there. Um, and he does, and he doesn't need to go yeah. down. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but I wanted to, oh, so when then I saw him after at the party and I just kind of put my arm out like this, dude, my dude's a little tank. He's a tank, Kim. He's fully developed into a super middleweight. He physically looked the best that I've seen him right there. 
He's my guy. I know we were talking about maybe losing a couple miles off that fastball. I thought I thought he still looked pretty uh, damn good. Here's the problem with Charlo. He never took his bat off the shoulders. No, never took and a swing. you say that by the second round he was in survival mode or maybe the beginning of the fight. Mario, I think it goes beyond that. If you look at his behavior from the opening press conference a couple months ago, the fiery, <laughs> blustery Charlo was very demure, very placid. And you look at him last week, I don't want to say he looked defeated. He looked a little bit depressed, like, and I felt as though the moment was going to get too big for him. Lights were too, a little too bright. Yes, and it was. Yeah. And quite frankly, look, I don't even blame Canelo for not knocking out a guy two weight classes up. Because when all you're doing is trying to survive and you are a competent professional fighter, you could do whatever you want. If all your goal is to see the last bell or to hear it, right. you're going to do it. And this is what's bad for Jamel Charlo. He didn't just lose on this night. Losses happen. No one's perfect outside of Mayweather and Marciano. But it is to a point now, you talk about the damage to your brand. The next time you see Jermel Charlo on the marquee, if it's a pay-per-view or some other major fight, there's going to be a good segment of fight. Fans, they're going to say, nope, we're good. You're exactly right. That's why That's why I was saying it's too much damage to his brand. And I think he even hurt himself more when he started calling out Terrence Crawford. Because, bro, really? You hear what Crawford said on Twitter? I know. He flat out said, the way you fought tonight, you are now off the list. I don't care if you're undisputed. Because exactly. at, at this point now, it, it technically, it's true. Jermel Charlo still holds three of the four belts at 54, and he is the junior middleweight champion, recognized by Ring Magazine and everyone else. But be honest, short of fighting Kim Zhu and maybe Crawford, if he has his usual layoff, which a lot of PBC guys have, which will be more than a year plus, based on that particular effort, no one would care. That's the reality. Outside of those two names you just mentioned, I certainly wouldn't. Look, not everyone wants to acknowledge it, but to me, I think Canelo now is absolutely uh, considered an all-time great fighter. Honestly. I really I think... Uh, and if you look at this, Kim... I By was, all-time great, do you mean like top 20-ish? Because that, that to me, when you're top 20 of all time, yeah, you're, you're all-time yeah, great. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. And definitely, as far as we're going to get into Mexican fighters, he's definitely on the Mount Rushmore. Only three men in history have won titles at junior middleweight, middleweight, super middleweight, and light heavyweight. Okay? Leonard, Hearns, and Canelo. That's pretty that's pretty good company right there. And that's not an easy jump, or else a lot of people would have yeah. done it. So the fact that he did it, you have to tip your hat to greatness when you see it. He's made out here making history, and that was impressive. And to add to that, at fifty four he unified belts. At sixty he was undisputed. At sixty eight he was undisputed. And at seventy five he won a title. Yes. That's a damn good resume. Dude. That's a damn I, I, good I, resume. It's an incredible resume. That's an incredible resume. Um I <laughs> Again, it was just like we were waiting for something. It was like, oh, and it's and it's so disappointing. He would have done himself a bigger favor had he not got let his hands go, and he ended up getting caught Amir Khan style. Honestly, it, I'm not, we don't even know if that would have happened. Or how about putting but at least up, you go out on your shield? Or right how about there. putting up a real effort like John Easy Ryder? Well, that's what I'm saying. Who, that's what I'm when saying. I, after that fight, I said to Ryder, you know what? You are a real fighter. I want to see you again. Amir Khan put on a bigger, better. Uh, he, he did. He actually, he actually won rounds. That's what I'm saying. So, he would have had a better. You know what I mean? Then maybe a, a Crawford would consider you. But after that, brother, that, don't be calling yourself a lion. 
No, he was lying. When he talked about, <laughs> I want to win this fight, you were lying. No. Uh, looking at this undercard on Showtime pay-per-view, Mario Barrios takes over uh, late in that fight, and he beats Jordanis Ugas, who looks like he has seen better days. Mm. Um, he's had a good career, Mario. I think it should come to an end. A lot of damage on that right eye. Yeah. And I don't know how much of this you actually saw from ringside, but Mario, the Erickson Lubin Jesus Ramos fight is interesting. Most of the people thought that Ramos won the fight and did enough to get his hands raised in victory. But I want to point this out. I thought the fight got really close. And I don't know if you're able to see this, but on the television broadcast, Ramos's corner in the late round is saying, hey, you're up by six points. We're good. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know about oh, that. No, no, no. I, in person, I and obviously I couldn't hear the broadcast. It was close. Yeah, it, it, it was close. I, I don't know so much of a robbery was it. I, I it was pretty close going in. To be honest, I was sort of talking and watching at the same mm-hmm. time. So to me, it didn't look. When I saw the uproar afterwards, it looked pretty close going in. I would I would stray from calling it a robbery. Yeah, I, I, look, out of the top one thousand bad decisions oh, no, I've ever seen, lot, yes, I probably been a lot worse than a lot uh, more worse this year. And I think Ramos <laughs> and his corner have learned. Um, in a marathon, you do not lay up or let off the gas pedal at uh, mile 22 or 23. No. That's not the way it works. No. Mario, late announcement uh, last week. It, they don't have a real date yet. They're working out the pay-per-view parameters and all the other uh, details, according to Bob Arum. But from the Kingdom Arena in Saudi Arabia, late 2023 or the first quarter of 2024, they're calling it the one Tyson Fury. Alexander Usyk. Hey, we got it. You know what? We're closing out some strong shows. Uh, we're, we're, with some strong shows, I should say, for the for the end of the year right here. I like that. Now, we're, uh, granted, he still has his Nganu fight, which regardless of what okay, happens. Okay, I've this seen, is I saw to- Nganu last week at the open workout. <laughs> oh, no. Um, it's okay. He's we're gonna, gonna get. Okay. We're gonna He's get a, the Fury Usyk. And that's, a, and that's a big strong guy too. To, but yeah, no, we'll be fine. But. I, I'm fine. Like I said, I, he can do these Nganu novelty fights as long as he fulfills his duties and fights someone like Usyk. So Tyson's fight, fine by me. By the way, did you know he had a reality show? Yeah. The Fury? On Netflix. Yeah, I didn't even know. Someone told me they're like in three seasons. I'm like, what the hell? I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, have you caught any of it or anything? Uh, I'm kind of Fury fatigued. I'll be honest with okay. you. Okay. Okay. I was just curious because uh, you mentioned Fury. I forgot to uh, to bring that up. And Mario, one last thing. Mike Coppinger on Monday afternoon reported it uh, for ESPN December 2nd in San Antonio. Get this. Ryan Garcia. Yes. He will actually fight before the end of the year against Oscar Duarte. So does that mean that Ryan... And Oscar De La Hoya, are they currently simpatico? Are they okay? Well, they're contractually uh, tied to each other. So, you know, that is what it is. I do like this fight. And that's a, that's a good little fight. He's solid. Duarte he, is solid. He can solid. bang a little bit. I know he can. So I like this fight. And the plan is, assuming he gets past this fight. I've heard. The rumor, which Uh-oh. I hope is true, that Ryan would be fighting a Teofimo Lopez Early this next Super Bowl weekend is a date yes, they're looking at February. Oh boy, this calendar uh, year, and Oof. I really like that. So does Tio sit out until then? Yes, is that what that, you're hearing? I was told by Bob Arum that Tiafimo is not going to fight on that traditional Heisman Trophy night card. That's disappointing. Uh, Why yeah, is that? I, because that's the business, and I think there's personal matters that we've talked about that kind of get in the way of his profession. You know what I'm talking about. Oh man! Yeah. I got, but that's just—I just, don't like it. I don't again, like it. Another year with one fight. I know, I know exactly, and, and and especially, and again, I don't like it because 
go back on the heels of Lomachenko. He had such a high, you want to be able to carry, uh, parlay that into another great performance and building your brand. And it's just kind of, oh, it gets a little stale. Now, if they are able to lock in Ryan uh, in, in February, I do like that a lot. Right. And that should be, that should do big business. I'm actually surprised that they're going to put that fight together. Yes. So, all right. So, when we come back, we got a lot to talk about more after these commercial messages. This podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, located in Gardena, California, just 20 minutes from downtown LA. Check out the latest promo, So Fine Sundays, where they are giving away tons of cash, beat the stadium traffic, and play your favorite games at Hustler Casino. For more info, go to HustlerCasino.com. Shout out to our boy Oscar Lopez, no relation, from Scalp Micro LA. His company offers a unique and very innovative hair loss solution for men. They specialize in a pigmentation known as SMP. Basically, it replicates the exact shape and size of hair follicles by tattooing little particles of pigment into the scalp, giving the illusion of hair. Don't trip. It's actually very realistic. You can see the results in as little as one treatment. They create and restore hairlines, give the appearance of density to thinning hair. So if it's starting to go, it'll look a little thicker. If you're going bald or you're just looking for a new uh, look this summer, check out our homies over at Scout Micro LA and mention this ad for a free consult. And we're back on the three knockdown rule. We want to let you know if you want to get involved with the three knockdown rule and sponsor our fine program, we still have some slots available Please reach out to us by emailing info at boxbid.io. Once again, that's info at boxbid.io. Boxbid.io is an online platform that is launching soon that helps public figures and professionals in the world of boxing get sponsorships. We are proudly working with boxbid.io. Now, let's move forward on the three knockdown rule. Yes, to fight review uh, this past Saturday for the IBF Cruiserweight title in London. Jay Opataya starches Jordan Thompson in four. This guy is a dynamo. He just might be the best cruiserweight in the world. Mm. In heavyweight action, Otto Wallin with a 12-round split decision over Murat Gassiev, who quite frankly looks like he has rusted out. Now, moving forward. Fight preview Saturday from Sheffield, England on The Zone. We have a UK battle for the WBA featherweight title. Lee Wood takes on Josh Warrington. And then our neck of the woods on The Zone from Viva Las Vegas. Viva! Mario, a, fair, a fighter that you are familiar with that you see pretty regularly at the Brickhouse Gym. It's the return of Gilberto Zerto Ramirez and Joe Smith. Let's go through the timeline. It was about 10 months ago or 11 months ago. Zerto lost a decision to Dimitri Bivol. No problem. It happens. But then the next fight, he was supposed to fight, I think it was Gabe Rosado. And he didn't miss weight by much, just 18 pounds. So that thing got scrapped. Damn. Um, and know, now is that the biggest weight miss you've ever seen? I mean, it's in the ballpark. I think it's got to be the big 18. That's not even. <laughs> and then after he tried to shave off a few pounds, I know people at the weigh-in, they were waiting for like an hour and a half. So my guy was really like 20 pounds. Probably. That's the biggest I've ever seen. Like, why even show up? Right. Three babies. That's the yeah, that's that's that, that guy, eight year old, and now he's facing. No, not an eight year old. What am I <laughs> yeah. saying? Well, an eight month that. old. Pardon yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So now <laughs> he's facing Joe Smith at cruiserweight. <laughs> what type of feel are you getting from Zerto? Listen, and I like me some Zerto on a personal level. He's he's a really cool guy. This is a dangerous fight. Joe Smith can still crack, and Zerto's he's a big guy even for this weight class. He's still he's still very slick in there with his feet. Um, and his hands, he's 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 athletic. He's also southpaw, obviously Zurdo. Um, but he's got a dangerous opponent in front of him who realizes like he can really sort of 
get back in the mix with a big victory and that heavy-handed guy with Joe Smith. I like Zerdo in the fight, but it's a, it's, it's a very dangerous fight just because I think the power of Smith poses a real threat. He does, but remember, though, uh, Zerdo might actually be the taller, rangier guy, and keep this in mind about not your average Joe Smith. He has not fought since June of last year when he got blown out by Better BF. Right. So there could be rust. If I am Julian Chua... That's, for his, that's to his yeah. benefit. <laughs> if I am Julian Chua and his camp, I'm thinking box, box, box. Everything off the right jab, mm-hmm. movement, don't run into anything. Because, look, Zerto is a guy that still has a lot of tools, but he's got to get serious. I, I just felt like... I actually told Andy Foster, our commissioner, if a fighter misses weight by 18 pounds and puts the whole card in jeopardy, And I guess he got suspended for like six months. I said to Andy, that's like suspending a starting pitcher four games. What are you really missing? In today's game, where everyone fights once every eight, nine months at most, I just felt like that was such a breach of commitment. And it was a bad look for Julian Chua, who on that card had two fighters, the main and the co-main. Neither of them made weight. Mm. And I'm just thinking to myself, wow, that's not a good look for your resume there. Listen, in his defense, your trainer is there to strategize. Oh, and I'm not blaming Julian. Yeah, no, Trust that, me. that's what I'm saying is there to strategize, there to come up with a game plan, there to get you on point. You have nutritionists now. You have other people that handle those matters. And by the way, you're a full grown man. Yes. You should be able to be responsible and be held accountable for missing weight, especially uh, weight that that high. Um, I saw Julian this morning, as a matter of fact, and uh, I also saw him with uh, Regis Progre, who's starting to get yes. in there and ran into Devin Haney. And his father in Vegas. I'm very excited about that fight. In the Bay Area, December 9th. That has been announced formally by The Zone on pay-per-view. But Mm. that's another statement for another day. We'll get into it. We'll get into Uh, it. Moving on to news and notes. I want to give a little shout-out and a tribute. Rest in peace to the Colonel Bob Sheridan, who passed away at the age of 79 last Wednesday. And he's a guy that for years... Uh, was the international broadcaster when you watch classic sports when that was still a thing. I've called fights with yes, him. Yes, he and he did he all the uh, Muhammad Ali, Don King God fights. Later, him. did a lot of the international broadcast for Top Rank. Now, the Colonel is a guy that was a Runyon-esque character. You can only find him in boxing. But I've met him a few times. He's always a big, gregarious guy. And I can honestly say he loved boxing and dedicated a whole portion of his life to the sport. I rest agree. in peace. I rest in peace. I agree. Tip of the hat. Uh, moving on to the Ask Mario segment of this fine program on the UFC Fight Pass. We've got a lot to punch up here. All right, here's one from Carl Brandt. Clarissa Shields posted a video saying she'd beat guys like Keith Thurman. I say Inoue weighing 122 pounds would knock out a 165-pound Clarissa Shields block off. Does Mario agree or disagree? I'm not a fan of even entertaining men fighting women. That's that's absurd. Now listen, it's interesting when you... um, when you say uh, you you compare genders in like tennis, right? Because people were saying, oh, Serena Williams, not to venture too far off, Serena Williams, as great as she is, you know, she'll probably beat most guys. Serena Williams, and I talked to a tennis She star, admitted she wouldn't. She, she wouldn't even beat the t- the 100th no, ranked man. No, no, 1,000th. You think really? the one's that yes. thousandth? Wow, 1,000th. Yes. 1,000th yeah. ranked man and Serena Williams, who's a strong girl herself and obviously the greatest of all time in a female. That's how big the disparity is. To put it into perspective, I said a hundred. You said a thousand. Okay, wow. So, okay, and that's in tennis. I don't want to even entertain it in Mario, boxing I, or MMA. That that's ridiculous. Can I put it to you like this? You take in a way at his ability to strike and create momentum. He has the power 
really probably of a 140 pounder, right? Especially if he's a little heavier. Sure. Let me ask you this, because in the past, she has called out Keith Thurman, Gennady Golovkin, and <laughs> other... It's such okay. a weird move. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's such a weird move. I think that Clarissa has like 16, 17 fights. I don't, I don't think she scored that many knockouts or knockdowns. You're telling me guys like Thurman and Golovkin, if they face the exact same women... As Clarissa Shields, you think they'd have zero knockouts on their record? I'm just asking a question. It's, a, and it's, a ridicu- it's ridiculous all the way around. Absolutely. <laughs> Here's ridiculous. one from Derek Batista. Hey, Stephen Mario, did Canelo show that he would be too strong against Bud Crawford, or would Bud's overall skill keep him competitive enough to squeak out a victory? I'm glad you asked me, because that's what I wanted to get into earlier. When I described Canelo... And the way his physique is filled out now, 168, where my guy's looking like a little Mike Tyson. And then I actually saw him physically and, you know, put my arm around him and felt the thick yeah. traps on his neck. I, the first thing I thought was like, there's no way this Crawford fight should happen. So it convinced you this weekend. Like, oh, absolutely don't not. Do it. <laughs> now, listen, do I think Crawford would put up a better performance than he tried to win. Charlo? He tried yeah, to win. Ups, exactly. Do I think he might get hurt in the process? I do. All these guys I don't know fighting. And Julian Tree and I were talking about it coincidentally this morning. These guys that don't know boxing, oh yeah, but he's so slick, this and that. My guy likes to sit there and and he'll and he'll trade with you at some point. There's weight classes for a reason. We're talking 21 pounds. Canelo is not how Jim Lampley suggested last week ever coming down because no. he doesn't need to. Yeah. He doesn't need to. He's the the A side. The matinee idol, he's still the guy that moves the needle and calls the shots. He doesn't need to, nor does he want to. And I honestly think he's not even seriously entertaining the Crawford fight, as lucrative as it could potentially be. Because I think he views it, and we talked about the history he made, as a lose-lose in the sense that you beat up a little guy coming up. He's smaller than Charlo. That's coming up all these weight classes. And... God forbid he has a bad outing, and then it's it's an awful look all the way around. Last week, after seeing that, dude, when you were hearing those punches, I was hearing there's at Crawford could be fighting a brilliant fight and maybe even stealing some rounds. Those punches landing even on your arms, getting to you by the ninth, tenth, bro. That's it. We're talking and Crawford as great as he is, and you know I love me some Crawford, but again, he's just a much smaller man, not small, slightly smaller, a much smaller man. And there's weight classes for a reason. What it did make me want to see right away is I'm like, damn, now Benavidez Canelo has jumped to number one as fights that I want to see the most. That gets interesting. Those hands are fast. He's a big super middleweight. He'll stand right in front of you. Will he be able to take the body shots that Canelo's going to get? Canelo's a slick counter puncher. Will he be able to time those fast hands? And you know Benavidez is going to throw down. He's not going to fight scared. So that fight more than ever, I want to see. The Crawford-Canelo fight is a novelty that people who don't know boxing just want to get into. And after seeing that performance and physically seeing him, I, I really there's no desire for me to see that fight. Your thoughts? The fact that Benavides is going to actually rain leather. See, look at the guys that have given Canelo problems. They have to occupy him with some sort of offense that's oncoming. Golovkin with the steady jab yep. and Bivol with the piston-like 1-2, 1-2, 1-2. Well, that's what Benavides kind of does in volume. He comes from all angles, and he's going to be there. He's a little bit squared up. So now it becomes quantity versus quality. Mm. And look, you never know when an older fighter with 65 fights just all of a sudden says, oh, I can't really do this today. That, to me, is the number one fight. Going back to Crawford real quickly. I was there when Crawford got cracked by the mean machine Kavaliaskis. 
who was a really good welterweight. But I would surmise, without getting hit by either guy, that a 147-pound Kavaliaskis probably does not hit as hard as a 168-pound Canelo. Um, physics matter. Now, the way you can interest me and maybe get guys to be more or less like, let's give this a shot, Crawford then needs to start moving up to 54 and 60, dip the toe into bigger weight classes, and then try to campaign for the fight. That Okay, I'm with that. If he were to go up, to 54. Right. Climb the ladder. Climb the ladder. Get the, ladder. the title. Okay. And then at that point, go up to 60. Climb it. And then he right. wants to be. Great. Great. But obviously, there's a lot of risk that comes with that. I I, I, I just don't. I just don't. Why don't we have anyway? Go up and fight Tink Usyk. right now. Get Usyk. Yeah, let's get Canelo pound and fight Usyk. I mean, you know what I mean? Where, where does it end? It gets ridiculous. But after seeing him in person. Yeah, it's different. It's I, different. I'm like, oh, bro, this we got to stop this nonsense. Yeah. It's just. Dude, homie's back. Is like, and he's from the side, he's like this thick. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like this thick. He was probably 180 or something. There's no way Crawford, and he's strong as hell for his size, and he's obviously a phenomenal fighter, but bro. Mario, the few times that Charlo actually landed that quick counter left hook, it looked like marshmallows bouncing off a battleship. And that's a guy that can crack. And that's, and that's a good puncher. That's a good yeah, puncher. So. That's what I'm saying. Same yeah. thing. Look. At Andy Ruiz, as chubby as he is in his big... Yeah. Canelo don't want to get hit by left hook or right front by Andy Ruiz. Right. Just weight classes matter. They're there for a reason. Here's one from MC. Two questions. How do you see a David Morrell, Dimitri Bivol at 168 play out? Ooh. And who is Mario's favorite crew from America's best dance crew? Is it Jabberwockies? <laughs> that's, a du- that's, a, that's a double whopper. Okay, I'll answer the first question. First of all, I think we had Bivol in here, and he said he can still make 68. But that was four years ago. I know. That's different. That's what I'm saying. And he's kind of, he's not a small guy. Isn't he so, retired, though? I'm back on dude, that. Dude, we don't even, <laughs> I, I just, I don't think we get the same effect of Bivol at 68. I don't, I don't think Especially he's. over the age of 30. Right. Fighters generally have sharp. to go up, not down. I kind of like Morel. I, I mean, I kind of, Bivol. Morel can bang. He's that's dangerous. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He's dangerous in that. Bivol, obviously, high IQ, very talented. I don't like the idea of him going down. I don't too. either. Um, Morel, though, that's an interesting fight. Just in, in, just him that in the mix. That guy's poison. If you're Benavides or Canelo, right. you look at that guy and you say, I don't know who no. the hell you are. You don't need that's him right truth. now. You don't need him in that in in, uh, in the mix, but he's he's definitely a real player. Best dance crew. Was it the Jabberwockies? Oh, Jabberwockies. <laughs> Jabberwockies. I, like I mean, there was some good ones, but Jabberwockies, most iconic. And, you know, they got a show here. Man, they parlayed that thing. Because every time I'm on the job. MGM Grand, when I walk to the sports book, yeah. I they see, like, the big thing, and I think of you, like, yeah. Lopez made them. Yeah, Lopez there you go. Them. Here's one from Keegan Catfish. Why do you think pound for pound is such a hot topic in boxing as opposed to MMA? I'll tell you Is why. it because the best actually fight the best? Yes, that's exactly it. You answered your own question. In MMA, specifically UFC, we get Crawford Spence every week, Pacquiao, Mayweather. Whoever's the number one contender, Kim, that's who's fighting next. So if you defend your title three, four times, that means you've defended. Yeah. That means... Canelo would have defended against Benavidez, Morrell, right. whoever, name the names, A true right? gauntlet. A true gauntlet. So that's why losses don't carry as much weight and they don't hold it against you in MMA. And, and, and that's what's so beautiful about it, too. You don't lose any sort of um, standing with the fans no. in the sport. It's how you fight. Like, if 
Charlo fought the way he did this past weekend in MMA? Oh, no, no. I think Dana would say, here's the papers. You know know what this is? Your walking papers. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's the big difference there. Uh, I think there's also another thing in terms of like the culture. I noticed again, and I actually like this pay-per-view undercard. I thought it was pretty solid. But the first two fights, nobody's in the audience. I know. I mean, it is empty. As I like to say, you could have thrown hand grenades into the stands. No one would have got hurt. Now, you go to a UFC pay-per-view or you watch it. A lot of people would have got hurt. Um, <laughs> a lot of people got hurt. It would have been strewn. It would have been a triage all over. Right. And from the minute the doors open, there's about two-thirds of the audience. And by the time the television starts at five or six, just about every seat is filled. Well, you know what, They stack their cards. Here, well, they stack their cards and the car, the fights all matter. UFC they're always it's the fifth and sixth contender leave it you know what I'm saying every they're always contenders yeah. and they're always people and that that there's how it, about it the, matters in how, the sport how about the pacing when right, then one that. fight ended on that pay-per-view card and, and I'm not just picking on Showtime or PBC because this goes for all pay-per-view cards we don't need a half hour uh break no because I'm literally because I'm going to the theater at Coach JB's house where the fight is, and I can watch a quarter and a half of football before the next fighters even come in. I'm like, let's get this show on the road, folks. No, okay? I agree. Here's one from Undefeated Journeyman. Hey, Steve, ask that Latinx Mario what has more value, a PBC Stupid. fighter coming from a long layoff or a Hollywood Walk of Fame star? I like your Walk of Fame star. You know why? Because it's active, and it's busy, and it's always <laughs> sharp. Um, look it out. I want to say Thanks. something about the whole activity matters thing, and people are trying to push back at me, saying, didn't the guys like Josh Taylor Stephen Fulton, Errol Spence, and um, this past weekend, Jermel Charlo, have a fighter that fought a legitimately good fighter, and maybe they would have lost anyway. You're absolutely right. But I say it all the time. It's not everything. It's something. It is a variable. Lack of activity is alone is not going to lose a fight, but I think it puts you at a competitive disadvantage. Mario, let me ask you this. Josh Taylor... Teofimo Lopez, Stephen Fulton, Inouye, Errol Spence against Crawford, and what we saw this past weekend, the four fighters that lost, do you think they combined won three rounds together? They weren't competitive. That's the point That's that I'm point. making. That's a very good point. No, I agree forget with the, you. Forget the result. Were they ever competitive at all? Maybe Taylor, the first four rounds, and he got skunked the last seven. I agree with you. It's a huge, huge factor and an important one. Um, at, at that, I, I see their mindset. They don't want to blow the payday, but at the same time, you got to be willing to invest in How yourself. How about winning? Yeah. Well, yeah. you got to be willing to invest in yourself and, and look f- at the bigger picture right here. We've talked about it before. De La Hoya's fought. We'd have a pay-per-view fight. They need to go fight. Off, for a lot less money, lot by less the way. money, then come back, continuing to build the brand, continuing to stay sharp, builds um, it makes more sense in the big picture. People got to start having that attitude. Yeah, and here's one. Speaking of Oscar De La Hoya, final question from a longtime fan of the show, a very good boxing fan, Clay Stevenson. Hey, Mario, I know Oscar is moving to Las Vegas. Are there any plans for Golden Boy Promotions to extend corporate operations to Sin City as well? Not at the moment. He uh, said that he's keeping it here in L.A. And look, my prediction is that he'll... Um, He'll like be in the desert for a while and say, "Okay, I've had enough of this." <laughs> he a, didn't he buy a fourteen million dollar home? Not, you want to come on? You're going to stay there for a while. Aren't you, you might stay. There. Well, look, you might stay there half the year. It's a nice tax break out there too, yeah. so that that might provide a little incentive. But the thing about Vegas is forty minute flight here from yeah. L. A. So you can buzz back and forth easy. Oh, and by the way, you know, you know, we love Oscar. He's a friend of the show. But Oscar, I'm just going to stay out of this, Mario. But Oscar. 
please stop predicting against Canelo. I know there's personal issues. I know there's history. Did he predict against him? Yeah. Well, he was talking about the slow feed and Charlo can do this. And I'm like, bro, he, it's not happening. Not happening. He's not, he's not exactly De La Hoya Damas when it comes to predicting <laughs> Canelo fights. Um, here we are. Moving on to final flurries. Uh, the three knockdown rule on the UFC fight pass. Mario, who's more of a gambler? Kenny Rogers or Brandon Staley? <laughs> you know, the Chargers, even when we win, we lose. Like, I, we got the dub against the Raiders. And I, it, we, we, how did we almost blow it? Well, I, he with the play calling, we still we win in spite of ourselves. He, Brandon Staley's so lucky he's got Justin Herbert and the talent he has on that team to sort of bail him out. I don't know how much longer they're going to have to put up with this and what they're going to have to deal with. So now we have a bye week, right? Or even up yeah. two and two. I was hoping the Chiefs, who should have, yeah. I thought, lost. The Jets would have had it. Everybody would have been all evened up. We have a bye week, and then we play the Cowboys on Monday night. I'm oh, going to that oh. game. Now, this is the Cowboys coming off the heels of the Niners, where they play on Sunday night. So it's rad bastard to get two primetime games in a row. Is it better or worse for the Chargers that they're playing plays, facing the Niners prior the week before? That's an interesting one. Now, wait, the Niners game, is that at SoFi? I don't know. Because either way, it's a road game. I'm just going to tell you, the Niners fans, the red wave travels well. No, and but no, but Cowboys do too, dude. No, no, they so definitely the travel. Do Look, too. I don't think Those the Char- are two of the most I don't believe the Chargers have a true home field advantage. I don't. No, I of course I'm not arguing I mean, that. I know. Well, we discussed this too when the team's not here for 20 years. Right. Of course, you have to well, rebuild the, the whole market. You got to. Re- I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. Do you think that the Chargers? Um, well, A, do they have a good chance against uh, the Cowboys? And do you think coming off of the heels of playing the Niners, it bodes well for them, or is that worse? I think the Niners beat you up. They're so physical. I, I would rather play the, the Cowboys, although the Cowboys' defense, when they can pass rush, are animals. Yeah, but animals. That might I'm just telling you, just... going back to the game yesterday, I'm watching this game. I'm on NFL Red Zone, and I'm thinking, okay, punt it away. you got a rookie quarterback, Aiden McConnell. Khalil Mack has six sacks. Let the guy see if he can drive you 80 yards. And I'm kind of watching this. I'm going, I don't see like the like the intersection yeah. of the punting team and the offense. Yeah. And I'm just kind of watching this going, oh, no. I said, no. No. <laughs> Whoever your punter. It's happening again. I, and when they're lining up, and I'm thinking, oh, oh, no. And I'm thinking, where's Lopez right now? Oh, my God. And then, How about when Herbert completed that big yeah. bomb, though? Thank goodness. Yeah, and I'm just thinking to myself, this guy, I, I really wonder – if you would have lost either one of those games, is he fired? I just wonder. But he's 2-2. Two and two. It's a win. But And the Chargers are talented enough. If they win a couple games in a row, which they have, they can knock off 7-8 in a row. They're they that can, good. right? But, okay, they ha- good. but they haven't done it yet with we Staley, haven't done though. It. we got to get it together. we got to uh, get it together. We've got injuries, too. Yes. Uh, Mario, what was Vegas like this past week? Man, we had a great time. The wife and I went up there. It's important to take little timeouts away from the kids sometimes. And Vegas yeah. is the kind of town, as you know. One, two nights, you're good. I'm hurting right now. Yeah. So I'm barely going to probably feel myself come Friday. I went to the opening of the Sphere. Oh, I saw that. Fancy. Yo, that was an incredible experience. Probably the best concert experience I've ever had. And I went to a lot of concerts. You know, I love music. Right. So it's hard. it doesn't do it justice. I'm sure you've seen a lot of the videos. Well, it's a Sphere, obviously. And then it looks like all cement in there. But the visuals in there, which sort of 
uh, envelop you and, and you're like immersed in it. You figure they'd be like distracting, but dude, it compliments. The really? Show. It's awesome. And the sound is incredible. And Bono, he still got it at 64 years old with U2 and they did all of Octung Baby and they did a lot of a, a lot of the hits, but you're like this and you're tripping. Man, if you're on a little something extra with a substance, I can't even oh. imagine how much next level that stuff so could have been. So being sober is an LSD trip. Dude, being sober, <laughs> I had a couple cocktails. I was like, whoa. I was like, if I had something else, I would have been, whoa. But a lot of people were there too. I saw LeBron James, Jeff Bezos, like everybody. Um, and it was a, if you ever get a chance to see a show there, they've only got one act booked at the moment, and that's you too. I think they're doing like okay. 20 something dates. But I, I got to imagine because it's $2 billion. I'll say this if Blue Man ever goes there, I'll, I'll book my. No, no. It, I, I was just going to say, they're got, they got to have like the Stones or, you know, Taylor Swift, or they got to have like these huge acts because. It takes a minute to get all those visuals yeah. up there and to process the whole thing. The guy was uh, kind of telling us how it works, but it's it's really cool. So they're talking about trying to do fights there. And yes, Dana, I've heard that. Dana was telling Ooh. me if we could do that, would be I Kim. You'd lose your mind because you'd have the octagon right or the ring, and then in these screens you'd have the rest yes. of the fight. It would be awesome. It'd I be would like cover that in the ring. Yes, it's a, you'd have to go. It that'd be the coolest thing. It'd be the coolest thing right there. And then, of course, Saturday, um, we went to the fights. I crashed the whole day, though. Dude, I slept like 20, mm-hmm. like 12 hours, got up to eat, went back to bed just because I was out of mm-hmm. it. And I can't, you know, drinking the night before, you need like a whole, and then drink again that that uh, next night. Then went to the five, went to the after party. I stayed up way too late, way too late for my uh, for my liking. And then Sunday, try to uh, mm. try to recoup. But uh, yeah, overall, it was a good time, man. Yeah, because you are getting older and you're, you are you're now- You too, fool. You are- Reaching a milestone yeah. very soon, and by the time we come back, a programming note we are taking next week off, going through a short hiatus. Just a but, short one. But the next time that we do the three knockdown rule, you will be the big five zero. You can't lie anymore either, because people can Google you. So yeah, you can't, you can't lie. Years. Hey, I, it's been it's been kind of messing with me to be honest. Because when you turn fifty, did you start doing the clock in your mind? Like, well, statistically, I only have like sixteen more years. <laughs> <laughs> 20 years well, that's like you go by the average well I'm I just mean, saying yeah. but then you start to mess with your mind and then like oh my gosh am I gonna see my daughter get married am I gonna see my youngest ever it starts it's been messing with me a little bit but and not now I'm at the point like you know what screw it I feel good I, I think I'm hanging in there I'm still active I'm doing jujitsu I'm boxing I'm doing that's that. the key yeah you gotta not stop moving it's all the mindset so I'm like screw it I'm leaning into it I'm embracing it 50 is the new 30 Put that's, it right that's there. That's what we're doing. That's what well, I'm talking about. For me, more hey, like 40. For me, still, more like 40. I'm we more still realistic. got our wigs. Oh, yeah, we're, we still, we, we, we made it up. Paint. We, we painted it We made paint, <laughs> but we still got our wigs. So screw it. 50, come on out. I'm going to knock your ass out. The maintenance is the key. We age better if you put into it. Like, I see like these photos of how Robert Redford and Wolford Brimley were, were basically the same age in the natural. Dude, is they that were the what, same age? Hey, you want me to blow your mind? <laughs> the Golden Girls, okay? Yeah. B. Arthur, uh, you're familiar with yeah, the characters, right? Absolutely. They were. On the show, 50, 53, Wait a minute, 47, what? and then the mom was 79 because she was older. Right, but 50, 43, and 47. Betty White was supposed to be 53 years old. Can you believe that? Doesn't that make you feel crazy? Oh, my God. I thought they were all 70. <laughs> so did I. Isn't that crazy? They died at their 120. Now my no, math is all off. No, but. isn't that crazy when you think about it? Yes. Just think about when we were growing up. People that you saw on TV in the, the yes. adults. There were only like 30-something right. in the fort, and we thought they were probably like 50, 60-something. I mean, it's wild. I, huh? I see some of the screenshots. I don't want to mention any names of like Tom Cruise and his co-stars. Oh, from, you're cold as ice. I, it's like, I ooh, you're one, cold as ice right I, I didn't say any names. Yeah, oh, you didn't have to. 
Who do you know? Oh, who do you I think I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. We're going to be gentlemen here. Hugh Kenny uh, No, I'm not doing anything. Okay, all right. All right. This is the danger zone. No, we're in. Stupid. All right, but anyway, we're going to take next week off with Mario. Happy birthday to you. Thank Enjoy you. yourself. You're going to be in what? Mexico, right? Be in Mexico for a week. Mardi Gras. It's going to be just pure debauchery for like a Hold good on week. Hold on. <laughs> just make back. sure you catch the fights on the zone in ESPN+. I will Plus. I'll, send you no, I'll, be, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. All right. So anyway, on behalf of everyone that makes a three knockdown rule possible, uh, one last thing. If you want to sponsor our show, please email us info at boxbid.io. So on behalf of Smoke and Tim Frazier and Tino. Tino and, of course, Mario Lopez, this is Steve Kim saying goodbye, everybody. 